Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Pastor Chris Songson. Chris is an author, international speaker, founding pastor of South Hills Church, a multi-campus, multi-state church that started in California, and he's the founder and CEO of Church Boom, an organization dedicated to helping pastors through online training and coaching. Today, we'll be discussing one of Chris's newest books, Saving Your Church from Itself. So lean in, leaders, because it's going to be a good one, and let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Avail podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, Iglesia Vertical in South Florida. I'm your host. Every Avail episode where we talk to amazing leaders, pastors, authors, people that are making an impact locally, nationally, and globally, and today is not going to disappoint everybody. We are sitting down with none other than Pastor Chris Soxon. Pastor Chris, it's good to have you here on the Avail Podcast. How you feeling? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the on the show, man. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Excited to talk about uh, some good stuff today. We are honored to have you. I, I'm intrigued because we're going to be talking about your newest book, which has a great title, Saving Your Church From Itself, Six Subtle Behaviors That Tear Teams Apart and How to Stop Them. I'm going to be taking notes. I know that our pastors and leaders in the Avail audience will be as well. Before we jump into the conversation and a few other surprises along the way, Chris, can you share a little bit about who you are, where you're based out of, and what you're doing now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thanks again for having me on the show, man. It's really awesome. I'm, I live in Southern California. I live in San Clemente Beach uh, is where I live, call home. Uh, I am the founding pastor of South Hills Church. I don't really do a lot of the day-to-day anymore. I do more of the global expansion. So uh, we've got multiple campuses in multiple states, Idaho, Virginia, uh, about to open up in Ohio, and several in California that I call home. Uh, been married for 32 years. I've got two amazing children. I've got two grandchildren, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Best thing on the planet, most expensive <laughs> thing, but the best thing on the planet. Uh, and written a bunch of books. And, uh, and then I also am the founder of Church Boom, an organization, uh, organization that coaches pastors and rescues churches. So that's the little quick nutshell about me. I love it. We're going to talk about Church Boom on the tail end of this conversation, which I'm also yeah. excited about. Um, I love that heart, by the way. So let, let's let's get to the let's just talk about the book because it's always like what intrigues me when I speak to authors, especially Christian authors and pastors, is something had to click in your heart, something had to pump and beat along the journey that led you to this title, to this message. Talk to how, talk to us a little bit about how was this book saving your church from itself? How was it born? Uh, well, uh, we do a lot of coaching through Church Boom. Uh, and uh, what we see is uh, so many stories of coaching pastors and helping pastors and churches, so many stories of churches that are uh, facing difficulty because there's a toxic behavior, there is a little bit of an attitude, there's a little bit of a division. Um, and we just hear about it over and over. I've lived it in my own personal life. I've had that happen once or twice. Uh, if you've been in leadership long enough, uh, you know, it's going to happen. No question about it. And so, um, man, it was birthed out of that idea of, of there's always, that's going to happen. We know that that's going to happen, but in the front of the end of it is 
Um, we, I think in most cases, pastors noticed that there was a problem. They just didn't, and I'm guilty of this too. They just didn't deal with it early enough. Mm. So in the subtitle, the subtitle of the book is six subtle behaviors, not six behaviors, <laughs> six subtle behaviors. So if, 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 if you get to the point where the team and everybody recognizes the toxic behavior happening from a leader, uh, everybody recognizes it, it's probably too late. Wow. You as a leader have to, you as a leader have to recognize when it's subtle. Uh, you have to recognize it before anybody else does. And that's the concept of the book is I kept hearing over and over. I kind of noticed a year ago. I kind of noticed 18 months ago. I kind of noticed that this was happening. I didn't deal with it. You know, we had conversations and now here we are way over here. Well, what if we notice the subtle behaviors before they tore, before they wow. actually tore the team apart? Yeah, that, that's good. You know, it's funny because when you think about when some people think about, well, how did that church, what happened to make that church kind of start declining? And people might think about external factors, right? Like, like something from the outside yeah. or this other thing happened. And, and this is specifically right. saving your church from itself. Can, can you maybe, can you maybe just uh, expound upon maybe one or two of these subtle behaviors that, that, that can really have a negative effect and impact on whether it's the team, the church, the culture, the heart of, 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 of ministry. Yeah. And let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's important to know anytime a church is being <clears throat> divided, torn apart, an issue, whatever. Um, one thing I always say is that when the enemy takes a run at your church, he doesn't do it to those who attend it. He does it to those who lead it. Wow. It's never the attender. You know, it's never the guy in the 10th row that nobody knows his name. Yeah, that guy, he's causing a lot of problems. It's never that guy. It's always a leader, board member, key leader, key influencer, staff member. The church is torn apart by the leader, not by the attender. Wow. Uh, or by the someone in leadership. Yeah. And I think the subtle behaviors, I mean, there's six of them I talk about in the book and whatever. But, uh, but more than that, just talking about, here's just some thoughts. Yeah. One. Uh, when you start notices, alliances are starting to be formed. Right. That's a subtle behavior. Yep. It's like you starting to notice something starting to happen there. Uh, you're starting to notice uh, that they bring more problems than they do solutions. Wow. That's a subtle behavior. It's like something's going right here. You'll notice it when they begin to weaponize their opinion with spirituality. Wow. That's when you know it's starting to happen. You're starting to see it happen, and you're starting to see that there's a change in their attitude, a change in their behavior, a change in their comments. Uh, you're starting to notice their name pops up in conversations that are surrounded by something negative. And again, you got to notice it on the front end. Uh, one thing I always say uh, is, man, you're in front of the eight ball when they care about the relationship with you. You're behind the eight ball when they no longer care about the relationship with you. Right. And you want to you want to get in front of that eight ball and notice it when it's subtle. So those are just some of the things. Alliances being formed, weaponizing spirit, weaponizing their opinion with spirituality, coming with more problems than they do solutions. Mm -hmm. um, any of those things where you're starting to notice that they're isolating themselves a little bit. Uh, you, you notice it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little bit of the Lord helping you it. And I think it's just a little bit of just common knowledge, like something's going wrong here. Yeah. Yeah. I think discernment plays a role when, when you're able to kind of feel something, but, but 
but it never mm-hmm. ceases to amaze us when something happens. Um, in your studies, maybe your research, and even in your, in your experience, are you able to maybe put your finger on or maybe share what are what are what are some of the reasons behind this? It, it, you know, is it is it that we didn't as leaders we didn't maybe care for them uh, closely enough? Is it mm-hmm. um, you know is it more on a personal kind of soul their health? What are some of the things that maybe have been common patterns or trends that you've seen? Well, <clears throat> that's a great question. Um, let's talk about the leader, the 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 main leader, the primary yeah, leader. Yeah. Yes, um, I think you know where these things get rooted in. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we hire the wrong people. Uh, sometimes we put people on a team and think that somehow they're just going to change, uh, and maybe they don't. I think that's sometimes our problem. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think as a leader, we don't fight to keep the vision aligned, mm-hmm. um, and we're probably and sometimes we don't have a very clear vision. Uh, and, and in absence of clarity, people will arrive to their own conclusion. Mm. So you've got to make sure that they are they are aligned. And so I think vision can be an issue for that. Um, I think the pastor may be absent. He may have checked out. I think there's some of that. However, no matter what, it doesn't justify splitting a church, creating a problem, being toxic. Huh? It never justifies it. David had every right to to attack Saul in the cave. Right. Uh, but he didn't. He just didn't because he did the right thing, even though Saul did the wrong thing. So someone might say, well, you don't understand my pastor. He doesn't have vision. He's not leading. He's He's been like this. He's been like that. What level of thing does that pastor need to do wrong for you to justify becoming toxic? Hmm. I don't know if there's a level. If you can't handle being on that staff and not getting toxic, then get off the staff and don't start a church two blocks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then we call that a church. You know, it's funny. We used to call it a church split. Now we call that a church plant, which <laughs> is not true. <laughs> That's, that is not true at all. It's a split. And that person is standing on the platform you created and you gave them. Uh, so I don't think as a primary leader, You've got to guard that. You've got to be careful. You've got to lead with vision. You've got to make sure the right people on their team. No question about it. And if you're a weak leader and you're deceptive as a leader or you're manipulative as a leader, man, those are things that you've got to define your own reality. But as a second chair leader, what I call a second chair leader, yeah, a second chair leader, and that is where the tension is at, by the way, but that second chair leader, it's never justified. You having a toxic behavior, you having a bad attitude, right. you talking bad about the pastor. Never justified. Uh, so it doesn't matter how bad that pastor is. If you don't like him, stop taking a check and get out of the church. Right. Um, but you you can't you can't justify it, you know, as a second chair leader. And I think it's important too, bro, that you gotta you have to make sure that you understand that there is a natural tension between second and first chair leaders. Uh-huh. Second chair leaders have a second chair title with a first chair responsibility. Wow. They do. They're second chair leaders, with, but with first chair responsibilities. And that's where a natural tension happens. And you need to recognize that tension, but you have to manage that tension. So uh, I think it to, to bring it to, yes, I think the primary leader can contribute to that. I think there's never a reason uh, for a pastor. But like you said, where does it come from? Let's talk about the second chair leader. Mm-hmm. They don't manage their heart. 
Mm-hmm. They don't manage their spirit. They start listening to the press of someone else saying, well, man, I love the pastor. But when you teach, they start listening to that presence. They start listening to that spirit. They allow the enemy. I believe it's in Luke. Oh, I could be wrong about this. But but Jesus said to Peter, Peter realized that the enemy is sifting among you. He was talking about the disciples. Wow. He's always looking for a crack in the heart of a leader mm-hmm. so he can get in there deceive that leader and start creating a split and somehow that leader will justify it. Wow. So you got to guard your heart and you got to guard your mind. You got to make sure that doesn't enter in. It's never justified. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I know it's, 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 it's tricky because, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to necessarily talk about these things or focus on these things, but, but, but I think that's precisely what is not being done sometimes talking with open hearts and clarity about, why we're here, what we're doing, what our roles are. There's one of your chapters, one of your chapters is entitled drifting towards artificial harmony. And, and I think, I think, I think that that's really intriguing to me. Can you talk a little bit about this? Because again, these are subtle things that can have an impact. Um, How do you identify, what is artificial harmony and kind of how do you identify Mm -hmm. it? Well, uh, first of all, I think it's, it, I love the phrase because it's two words that you never hear together. <laughs> where, where in the world have you ever heard the word artificial and harmony together? Because they're, they're an oxymoron. Right. If there's harmony, it's not artificial. Uh, but artificial harmony is really when we pretend that everything's okay when it's not. When we sweep it under the rug. When there's tension between you and a board member or you and a staff member or whatever the combination is or a key leader or whatever, and we just act like everything's okay. No one follows the Matthew 18 principle that says, go to your brother at once. We don't do that. We just, uh, whatever, I don't, because we don't want to deal with conflict. We don't want to deal with the uh, the challenge of it. Uh, we don't want to deal with the uncomfortable feeling. Right. So we just kind of put it off and say, well, I'm not going to talk to, Bob's not going to talk to Steve. Steve's not going to talk to Bob. We both know there's tension. We both know they kind of don't like each other, but no one's really going to deal with it. And so we sort of live in this artificial harmony as if somehow it's just going to go away. The artificial harmony is a wonderful place for the enemy to come in and start creating even greater division and greater roots of bitterness. The thing is, is when you know there's artificial harmony, when you know there's a conflict that's unresolved and you know there's tension, deal with it. One thing I always say is I, I know it's hard because a lot of people don't want to deal with conflict. But one thing I always say is pay now or pay later. But if you pay later, you'll always pay more. It's always more expensive to wait. Yes. It's always more expensive to be like, well, you know, I, I could have dealt with it eight months ago. Yeah, eight months ago, it was this expensive. Right. Now it's even more expensive because uh, that person has gained more influence and will cause more damage. Yeah, man, that is, this is such a good word. This is wise. This is wisdom, leaders. Avail leaders, please lean in and take take notes. Pastor Chris is talking about things that are so, you know, it's so funny that you that you mentioned this pay now or pay later, because the tendency is maybe I would say a for maybe younger, less experienced leaders, but then also be just personal, you know, some personalities have a harder yeah. time with that kind of, uh, you know, confrontation. Confrontation isn't a bad thing because you can't resolve a conflict unless we confront it. However, uh, the right. way we do it is important. Right. Um, so here, here on that note, um, do you have any tips or advice Let's say there's a pastor listening right now or a lead leader in an organization who's who's mm-hmm. sensing some of these driftings, right? Whether it's 
artificial but, harmony. Maybe it's a little bit of isolation. Maybe it's a little bit of negativity. And and maybe there's just a sense of maybe there's something there. Any thoughts, any tips regarding the best ways to approach it, to approach the conversation or to approach the person in order yeah. to seek out, hopefully, healing and resolution of the conflict, uh, or if not, at least the next mm -hmm. step. Yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, I do have that, some thoughts on that. One, again, uh, deal with it because it's not going to go away. Uh, set the appointment. Be straightforward with the individual. I think if you're the first chair leader, you got to set that appointment and have that honest conversation. If you're the second chair leader and you're starting to feel that, like, man, I, I think I'm getting a little toxic. I think I'm starting to go down that. Have the conversation with that first chair leader. Yeah. Uh, you Obviously, you approach it in love. You approach it with a good heart. Uh, I can get really, really practical, uh, and let me, and I will, for, yes. especially for the first chair leader. Yeah. So uh, a while back, I, here I'll give you a scenario. A while back, I've got a situation going on with someone on the team. Um, I say, hey man, let's have a little powwow. I need to meet with you, and I'm giving you the. I, I get into, I turn the conversation over to that person within 90 seconds. Okay. So it may sound something like this: Hey, Steve. Um, and this literally just happened. Hey, Steve, I've been noticing in staff meetings that you seem a little bit distant. Um, and, and your attitude seems to be changing or I, I didn't say attitude. I'm sorry. I noticed you're a little bit different and, and your approach seems to be different. You seem to have a different kind of feel about things. I'm sensing something's going on in your heart. Uh, can you explain that to me? Can you, can you, can you, uh, uh, expand on that for me? And then, um, once I turn it over to them, like, hey, man, I noticed you've been kind of quiet in staff or I noticed you've been bringing more problems and solutions. I don't know what's going on in your heart. Can you speak into that for me? Once I say, can you speak into that for me? Most of the time they'll rattle off, not all the time, but most of the time they'll rattle off something for about five minutes. And in this case, the person rattled off something and used the word, ah, sometimes I can have a bad attitude. When they got done, I said, okay, you said that you could have a bad attitude. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? What I'm doing is I'm allowing them to give me information, and then I'm asking them to expand on the information they've given. I didn't tell them they had a bad attitude. They told me sometime they had the bad attitude, and I asked them, could you clarify that for me? Hmm. And now all of a sudden, we're into a conversation that they brought up. Yeah. Uh, so that's the way that I always do it. The, the key question always is, can you speak into that for me? I heard you said the word bad attitude. Can you speak into that for me? <laughs> yeah. uh, because you're just, you're just allowing them to, to talk. And now there's not a defense. I'm not saying you had a bad attitude. You said you had a bad attitude. I asked you to expand on that. And now <clears throat> we're talking about something they already said, which reduces a lot of friction. That's, but that's very wise. Always in love. Yeah. So, that's the way that I would do it. That's more of a coaching mechanism. Yeah. You know, uh, I do a lot of coaching. We have a lot of coaches on our team. And I always say <clears throat> consulting brings solutions. Coaching asks questions. And the question you're asking is, can you speak into that for me? That's a question. Can you clarify that for me? Can you expand on that yeah. what you just said to me? They will just spit out information. And then you're now working with something they said, not you said. That's very wise because you're not – you're not leading, you're not giving leading questions. You're not making assumptions and you're not saying anything. You're allowing them to expand upon what they've already expressed with a, with an open Correct. ear and an open heart, obviously very, very wise, yeah. very, very wise here. Here's kind of a follow-up to that. Um, 
how do you know when it's time to bring when when we got to bring somebody else into the conversation if if that's a if that's a need right because i would imagine there's a percentage of the time where where this conversation helps to bring resolution and clarity you know and maybe resolve any tension Mm -hmm. uh but then maybe there's other times where we're gonna have to follow up yep yep if i feel like um It's 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 usually not for me personally. Everybody's got their own opinion, but for me personally, it wouldn't be on the first one. Okay. Uh, if it's a paid staff member, or I feel like it's getting really really toxic. So if it's a paid staff member, or or and or even not paid, but I feel like man, this is toxic and this is not going in the right way. I've already had one conversation with them. Now I'm hearing stuff even more. It's usually on the second one that I'll bring someone in. When you bring someone in, everybody knows it's heightened. Uh, they're not, they're, they're not heightened at all. And if I, if it's a paid staff member and it's the second time, I'll say something like this. Hey, we talked about this before. Now I'm following scripture that I bring a third party in. Um, if we have to have this meeting again, you're not going to like the outcome. Right. And they know what that means. Right. Uh, but usually on the second one, if it keeps heightening, I'll bring someone in. And usually they know this is getting pretty serious. Chaos. Many are opposed to it, but the best of leaders realize that this is one of their most powerful leadership tools. Introducing leadership expert and renowned author Sam Chan's newest book, How Leaders Create Chaos and Why They Should. In this groundbreaking new book, Sam Chan shares decades of his leadership wisdom with readers and equips them with a new understanding of why the best leaders create chaos. Discover powerful leadership strategies and uncover practical insights that will revolutionize the way you lead and think. From organizational best practices to how to build up the perfect team, this book will empower you in every area of your leadership. Invest in yourself and dive into Sam Chan's newest book by visiting samchandchaosbook.com. That's good. That's good advice. You know, this is the side of of, of kind of... of uh, ministry and church leadership that not everybody's aware of, you know, most of the members of our church, right. they're not, they're not necessarily in on this. Uh, and that's why, <laughs> that's why uh, people underestimate how much pastors have to do, um, you know, yep. cause it's not just preaching on Sunday, right. It's not just right. uh, you know, helping to disciple people on their spiritual journey. It's leading an organization. It's, it's, it's assuring that staff is aligned and collaborating. It's, uh, it, it's uh, ref- managing and confronting tension and conflict, even when it's uncomfortable. Um, right. ha- have you, I mean, I mean, let, let's, I, I'd like to transition into, into this area that it seems to me like it's a passion for you. Church boom. Uh, talk to us a little bit about yeah. church boom. Talk to us. What, what is church boom? Why does it exist? Yeah. Uh, two reasons. We church boom. It's actually churchboom.org, but we coach pastors and rescue churches. So, if there are pastors out there uh, that, man, just feel like they need coaching and they need some help, they need some guidance. I have two coaches in my life. I've had them for years. I'll continue to have them. Mm. I believe and the statement I always say is professionals get coached. Amateurs learn by trial and error. Which one do you want to be? Uh, <laughs> I want to be a professional. So I've been getting coached for years. And I think if you're a pastor, uh, man, you need a coach. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, hey, my church is 200, my church is 500, my church is 1,000, my church is 5,000, 10,000, whatever. I think you need a coach. Uh, I, I'm a baseball fan. Hey, if, if you're on first and they're on third, you need someone to show you how to get there. It's that simple. You got to have someone to show you how to get there. 
So they, you know, I always talk about that. So uh, that's the coaching side. The other side is rescuing churches, churches that are under 100 uh, and that are, they feel like, man, we're under 100, possibly dying, possibly, you know, this is not going well. You know, we all know what that means. I don't know if you know, statistically, America for nine straight years in a row has closed more churches than it's opened. Wow. Nine straight years in a row. So if you're a church of 30, 40, 50, 60, and you feel like, man, this is not going good. If we continue on this path, I don't know where we'll be a year from now. Wow. We have what we call church rescue. You go to churchboom.org, you hit the rescue button, and you can literally sign up for absolute free coaching. We coach you a year for free. We sometimes help with emergency funding if they get approved and they go on a retreat, a soul care retreat, absolutely free. Doesn't cost a dime. They get a year of free coaching in a group of six people. We're going to try to get their church over hundred and get healthy again. They go on a retreat for free. Uh, we do everything to rescue churches. So we raise money from healthy churches to help the unhealthy churches get rescued. Why? What, what, what? What was this your idea? Was it with a friend? Was it was it with a family member? What was it? A Holy Spirit just kind of put this on your heart. Why this this yeah. church boom? Church boom started about eight nine years ago, ten years ago. I don't know. People just started calling us <clears throat> as our church continued to grow, just asking questions. And I thought, man, we got to organize this. And next thing you know, it just kind of birthed into an organic. We're going to coach pastors. A few years ago, two or three years ago, I got together with a bunch of pastors in Dallas, Texas, and I'm like. Is anybody seeing how many churches are closing? Wow. 84% of all churches are in decline right now. We're closing more churches than we open. In 2019, America shut down 10,100 churches in one year. Wow. Uh, and we that's before the pandemic. And is anybody seeing this? So I got together with a bunch of healthy pastors. And I'm like, guys, this is a problem. And revelation requires responsibility. Hmm. We've got to do something about this. Uh, and so we just started brainstorming with a bunch of guys. And after a bunch of meetings, we birthed this idea of what if we called it church rescue and we come and rescue churches and we'll raise money from healthy churches to fund the unhealthy, uh, churches to get them back on their feet again. You can't let the bride of Christ keep bleeding out in the emergency room and not do anything about it. So that's what we're doing. We're fighting for the unhealthy churches because we just believe it's that important. Man, I love that. I love that. And I, I, I can't help but think, um, I don't know if one comes to your mind, maybe can you give us an example without, without being specific, of course, but an example of maybe mm -hmm. a church or a pastor that was in this possibly going to die, possibly going to close its doors where you guys stepped mm -hmm. in with church rescue mm -hmm. and, and, and it made a difference. And can, can you share a little bit? I think sometimes those stories yep. just make it that much more real. Yep. Uh, there is a pastor uh, in the Midwest. Uh, he was one of our first sort of uh, church rescue, even before we had a name for it, <clears throat> which we started coaching and helping him and developing him. Uh, resources were needed for him, but uh, I'll never forget the conversation with him. Um, it went something like this. There were a lot of tears in his eyes. Uh, I feel like a failure. I feel like it's not working. I feel like what I'm not doing is working. Uh, my dad handed me this church. It was already weak and now it's even weaker. I had, we had 40 people. Now we only have 20. I don't know if we're going to give the church back to the bank. Lots of tears, lots of feeling of inadequacy, lacking confidence. I said, bro, we want to help you. Um, fast forward a couple of years later to just literally three weeks ago. Um, 
I did a, I went to his church to do a rescue Sunday where his church could give money to help rescue other churches. They wanted wow. to pay it forward. When I spoke there, he had 20 people in his church a couple of years ago, lots of tears, lots of feelings of inadequacy. When I was there a few weeks ago, a normal Sunday, they had 325 people in their church. Wow. And that's a normal Sunday. They gave thousands of dollars to pay it forward. That is one of many, many examples. I can take you to a guy in Detroit that had 50 people. Now they've got 225. I can take you to Arizona. Guy only <laughs> six months ago had 40 people in his church. Now he has 125. <laughs> so we're taking churches under 100 on church rescue and getting them over 100 and getting them healthy, getting them paying their bills, putting some money away. Uh, because, you know, here's the thing that most people don't realize. You don't, if you don't help the weak churches and churches keep closing down, um, we're going to become the next Europe. That's number one thing. Wow. Secondly is think about this. People are like, well, I don't want to give money to help rescue churches. Okay. But where do you think all the money is to the feeding programs across the nation in third world countries, the third, the, the, the water wells that are being dug across the world. But where does most of that money come from? America. Where does it normally come from? Churches in America. Right. Okay. Let's do the math. You lose the churches, you lose the money, okay? The fruit is, hey, we get to build water wells. We get to feed children. That's wonderful. That's a beautiful tree of fruit. But at the root of it is pastors of local churches. Yep. If that doesn't stay strong, the fruit goes away. And that's so good. I, um, did you imagine, did you, let, let me just fast. When was your first year as lead pastor? Uh, uh, my first day as lead pastor was March 29th, 1998. Okay. March, 1998, years ago, March, 1998. Did you envision or imagine yourself doing what you're doing today? No, not, not in the, uh, definitely having my hand in the church world for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, but no, I didn't think about coaching and rescuing churches. That wasn't even on my mind. <laughs> I was just trying to get a church off the ground. <laughs> And uh, trying to get a church off the ground and get it going. Um, I've always been a serial entrepreneur uh, at heart. You know, I'm always like, well, what if we did this? What if we did this? How about if we built this? So uh, church boom, church rescue, churches, uh, some other organizations I helped launch new ideas. You know, I've always had, I always figured it would morph into new things. But no, man, I was just trying to get a church off the ground. Isn't that crazy? That was 25 years ago before ARC was writing checks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. We just had to make it work. You know? Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you know, the reason I asked that question, Pastor Chris, is because I would like you to just speak into some some young pastors. Because here's what I've what I've learned in my life, and I'm hearing from you too. You don't always see the full the full gamut, the full ask all the aspects of the calling. But at one point this awoke in you, like the, the Lord put this in you. And even though it wasn't on your mind yep. in 1998, you know, or, or maybe even the early two thousands mm -hmm. along the journey, it, it, am, am I right? Like God sometimes unveils new aspects of your calling. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely. He does. I think that you, um, I do, I do think that there's two parts to that. Huh? I think there's the God part and the leadership part. I always say that's where vision comes from. It comes from God's heart and the leader's heart. And they find connectivity. You find your heart starting going into God's heart and vision starts happening there. I do believe that 
um, I believe that that um, at the the responsibility that we have is this: we keep growing, we keep developing, we keep utilizing every talent gift, squeezing every ounce of potential out of us, and then God keeps pouring out more vision. It's sort of like I wonder. I wonder, and this is I got no scriptural basis for this, but I wonder if. I wonder if there is, before we die, if there's 10 things God wanted us to do, but our personal development only brought us the first six things. Wow. And so is that personal development God's fault? No, it's actually on us. Right. Because we didn't grow. We didn't develop. Wow. We didn't network. We didn't figure out how to grow. Uh, I'm a big reader. I've written a bunch of books and whatever, but um, I read somewhere that Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, this is such a great quote. Ralph Waldo Emerson was asked this question by the interviewer. He said, Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, uh, when you die, if you could come back as anyone, who would you come back as? And I love his response. He said, I would come back as the man Ralph Waldo Emerson could have been, but never was. Wow. And I think that about leaders. And I think that about vision. Uh, we got to grow, we got to develop, we got to expand, we got to network, we got to have coaches, we got to be developing because God may be saying, these are really 10 major things I want to do in your life before you die. But our development only brought us to six of them. And I think that's a tragedy. That's huge. That's huge. I love this, man. Honestly, Pastor Chris, I could be here another hour with you asking you questions, touching, touching, you know, on all these subjects, but, but we're kind of coming here on the, on the final stretch. Um, I'd love before I do a little, I'm going to do a little quick round of questions in a second where you got to answer me like in one sentence or less. But before we do that, I'd love, I'd love for people to know where they can get your book, where they can get more information on church boom and church rescue. Can you share a little bit of that information? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, newest book is Saving Your Church from Itself. I've got several books out. Uh, Saving Your Church from Itself is the newest one. If I could plug, I'd say another great one to read is When Your Church Feels Stuck. Um, you can go to all things Church Boom is churchboom.org. Uh, you can contact us through there. You can contact me through there. You can contact Rescuing Churches through there. Uh, all of it. Uh, you can just go to churchboom.org and you can reach out to us there. Uh, all the books, they're just sold, you know, they're sold everywhere, Amazon, whatever, just Google it. Sure. Uh, but churchboom.org <clears throat> is a place you want to land. Beautiful. Are you active on social media at all? Oh yeah. Yep. All things, uh, Chris Songson, C-H-R-I-S. And my last name is S-O-N-K-S-E-N, S-O-N-K-S-E-N. That's a tricky one, but yeah, Instagram, uh, Facebook, probably those two are the ones you're going to go to the most. Yeah, but you can go to Church Boom, follow us there. Church Boom, you can follow Chris Songson. Uh, man, and if you, and thanks for bringing that up, because if you go to Church Boom and or Chris Songson, uh, there are a lot of tips on leadership we give throughout the yeah. week. A little quick six or second, like, hey, think about this, think about this. So definitely you want to follow us. Very cool. Very cool. You, you heard me. it, everybody. You heard it. Church Boom.org is the website. You can also find Chris Songson on social media to get a lot of leadership nuggets and tips along your journey. I'm going to mention real quick the Avail Journal. The Avail Journal comes out quarterly to all the Avail audience. This is one of the best Christian leadership magazines that I've seen in this season. It looks good. It feels good. The content is powerful. Would you agree, Chris, that this is a great resource? Amazing. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. It's incredible. It really, really is. I have great stuff. Yeah. We want you guys to get a free trial subscription by going to availjournal.com. You can get a free free trial subscription, availjournal.com. You're going to love it. You're going to thank us. Um, okay. So before before a final nugget from your on your heart for the rest of the leaders here that are connected, yep. quick responses. What makes you laugh, Chris? Seinfeld. Me too. There you go. <laughs> I, I love Seinfeld. I love the whole episode. I've seen that guy live. For, for some reason, when Kramer comes out, he also, it just, it makes me laugh. Oh, Kramer's the best. <laughs> Kramer and George. George is stressed out about everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, okay. Okay. Here's another one. What do you do for fun? Oh, it doesn't sound fun, but one of my things that I love to do is run. All right. Uh, I travel a ton. I take my tennis shoes everywhere. I got an all trails app and I find a, a trail and I run. And I love running. Beautiful. I think I know one of the answers for this, but <clears throat> what worries you or concerns you about the future? Uh, uh, the church in America uh, <laughs> definitely concerns me about the future. Uh, I've got grandkids now. Yeah. And I think America's changing. We always say America's not the same ter- uh, country it was 20 years ago. It's not the same place it was two years ago. Right. It's like, it's like common sense has become a superpower. And, uh, uh, and so I, my, my grandkids, I'm worried about them. Yeah. I so, hear you. I hear you. Now what yep. excites you or encourages you about the future? Um, when I have the privilege and honor of meeting, uh, young leaders that are passionate about the things of God. And that they, they want to do something amazing for the Lord. And I, when I, when I see that and see their potential and they're pursuing it, uh, that excites me. Yeah. Uh, and, and just, and, and, uh, on the practical side, we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old granddaughter. They are the best thing on the planet. I'll I'll take 10 of them. Uh, (laughs) they are so much fun. They are literally the joy of my life. I love that. I love that. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. All right. What's the final thought you want to leave on our avail leaders hearts? What I would leave is, uh, I think leaders are learners. It's nothing new that no one's ever heard before, but it doesn't matter if you're a pastor, associate pastor, whatever. Well, number one is this, based on the last half of our conversation, leaders are learners. Get a coach. Get one. Get one now. It doesn't matter if it's us. I really don't care. Just get one. Get a coach. I got two of them. Mm -hmm. Get a coach, learn, grow, develop. You got to be learning. You got to be growing. The second thing would go back to the first half of our conversation is, Protect your heart and protect your mind. Do not be the reason that a church splits. Do not be the reason that you feel led of the Lord to start a church two blocks away. Don't be that person. Leaders are learners and be extremely loyal where you're at. Those are things. I think faithfulness says I won't talk bad about you. and Loyalty says I won't let anybody else talk bad about you. Be loyal. Be absolutely loyal. So be a learner and be loyal. Those are the things that I think are important for young leaders and any any leader for that yeah. matter. Love it. Hashtag drop the mic, Chris Songson. I love it. Um, <laughs> Pastor Chris, let me just say, this has been awesome. On behalf of Dr. Sam Chand, Martin Van Tilburg, the whole Avail team, we just want to honor you. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your heart for the church, especially the churches that are really needing some help. Uh, man, I, th- I think the Lord put a special calling on you and your team. So we honor you and we bless you, brother. Thank you, man. Been an honor being on it. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. I hope you've been encouraged by this episode with Pastor Chris Songson talking about his book, which is going to help you along your journey as a pastor and as a leader, saving your church from itself. So you can be able to identify those subtle things that sometimes can tear your team apart. Also, make sure you check out Church Boom, where uh, they help coach pastors and 
help church rescue churches that are kind of uh, needing some big help. Thanks for connecting everybody. On behalf of Avail, my name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, your host right here on the Avail podcast every week when a new episode drops, what we talk about, the art of leadership. Catch you next time right here on the Avail podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail podcast with our guest, Chris Songson. You can find out more about Chris on social media and find out more about pastor coaching and church rescue by going to churchboom.org. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com and make sure to claim your free trial subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail podcast host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail podcast.